One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello in the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I'm Courtney Eck. And we are still sisters. Sure as shit are. (laughs) Confirmed? No, actually not confirmed. We've never, we've never physically confirmed it with science, but... Pretty confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's Courtney's night. Yep. And I don't know what you're going to tell us about. Well, tonight I'm going to tell you a pretty radical story about the Chillenden murders. This is a case that's been in the news very much in the last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, So strap in. I'm ready. it's, It's a hell of a story. So this story takes place on July 9th, 1996 in Chillenden, Kent, England. Uh, 45 year old Lynn Russell her two daughters, six-year-old Megan and nine-year-old Josie, were walking home through the countryside from a swimming competition with their dog, Lucy. I couldn't find out much about the family, unfortunately, but I do know that Lynn was a prominent doctor in the area, as well as her husband, uh, Sean, was also a doctor. So Lynn and her daughters passed a parked car on the way home, and a man jumped out of the car, wielding a claw hammer, What? and demanded they give him money. Oh... What is up with people and their hammers? I hate it. It's because they know. It's because they know that there's just nothing. It's the Mm. most gnarly of all of them. So Lynn told a man she didn't have any on her. No, she didn't have any money on her, but offered to have him follow her home where she could get some, but he refused. Lynn told Josie to run and get help, but the man managed to capture Josie. He then walked the family into the woods tied the three of them up with strips of Josie's swimming towel, a bootlace, and some tights, blindfolded Lynn, and then beat them all unconscious with the hammer and mm. left them for dead. Oh, man. The bodies of the family were found later that day, and the head injuries were so severe, they initially told Sean that the family was all dead. Tragically, Lynn, Megan, and their dog Lucy did not survive the attack, but Josie miraculously lived and made a full recovery. Police launched an investigation, and there were several eyewitnesses from that day, but almost all of them gave conflicting reports of who and what they saw. Quote, 
At 4.30 p.m., Isabel Cole saw a clean-shaven man of medium build wearing a dark blue baseball cap and carrying a hammer. Half an hour later, Anthony Rayfield saw a beige car parked with the boot open. The man standing next to the car was small, light-haired, and wiry, aged 35 to 40, and appeared agitated. Nicola Burchill saw a beige car at 4.45 p.m. Its driver was round-faced with chubby cheeks. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's not helpful at all. There were more conflicting eyewitness accounts, but you get the idea. Four hairs were found on Josie's shoe, and red fibers were found on and around Lynn's body as well as on the pair of tights that were used as restraints. There was also a bloody fingerprint found on one of the girls' lunchboxes. Police followed up on various leads, and around a year after the murders, they decided to air a reenactment of the case on the Crime Watch program to see if they could generate any tips, and they did. A psychiatrist and two nurses called to report that a man that they had worked with, 70, not the 73, 37-year-old <laughs> Michael Stone, had been saying alarming things leading up to the Russell's murders, and they thought he might have been the perpetrator. The medical workers reported that on the 4th of July, four days before the murders, quote, Stone was becoming increasingly enraged and had aggressively threatened to kill people and their families. The psychiatrist further recalled that Stone had threatened his probation officer with a hammer. The psychiatrist also told police that the threats were so aggressive that they had made him fear for his own safety and the safety of other employees, and the fantasies relayed by Stone seemed to tally, it's a very British Mm -hmm. case, obviously, (laughs) with the nature of the attacks on the Russells. Stone specifically shared fantasies about killing children and, quote, running about in the woods. He said that he dreamed of killing children any time he passed them or took walks in the woods, and also claimed he had attacked people with a hammer in the past. The psychiatrist claimed this. Okay, I'm sorry, he, so Stone is in a facility? He is trying like hell to get into a facility. We'll get there in just a moment. Okay. But he's, he's working with this doctor, with the psychiatrist, and then two nurses. Okay, but he's just like going on walks next to children he wants to kill. Yeah. Okay. Just randomly, any time he sees a kid, he wants to kill him, according to the psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. So he claimed that he had grown so angry with the world that he was, quote, going to do something bad. He had begged medical staff to admit him for treatment, but they wouldn't because he was, quote, too dangerous for a psychiatric facility. Oh, that's uh-huh. not a thing. Well, it is a thing. It shouldn't be a thing. Well, and so you are so dangerous that you're not being admitted to this facility and then your doctors are going to turn on you and tell on you for Mm -hmm. maybe potentially maybe killing Mm -hmm. somebody Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. definitely killing somebody which i don't know how it works in the uk but it seems really fucking sketchy to me so two separate friends also called in to report that stone fit the description of the rendering that had been aired on the crime watch program and one said he'd seen stone covered in blood on the day of the murders which stone didn't deny but said it was because he'd gotten into a fight that day <laughs> no yep if that's true that's like Dude, the this worst is timing one of those ones where it's like if the coincidences upon coincidences it's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. 
So Michael Stone had a terrible childhood and was rejected by the man who's suspected to be his biological father and the man his mother later married. His home was extremely violent and he was eventually placed in foster care where he was abused. Starting at the age of nine, he began using drugs and committing crimes and had developed a 1,500 pound a week heroin addiction by the time he was in his late teens. Oh no. Fucking fast track to... Terrible town. Euphoria. He was in in Euphoria. (laughs) Yeah, right? Euphoria is based on his Uh, upbringing, apparently. Oh, man. Quote, he served three prison sentences in the 1980s and 1990s for robbery, burglary, grievous bodily harm, and assault occasioning actual bodily harm. He was known to carry weapons, including knives and guns, and would also attack victims with ammonia squirted from a Jif lemon bottle. What? What a dickhead. God. I told this story about how I was driving down the road one time and had my window open and I felt something like burning hit me in the middle of the forehead. (laughs) And my first thought was that it was a kid had shot bleach through the window or like acid with this super soaker because that was happening around then. Uh-huh. Yeah, this little yeah. this fucking brat would shoot people with ammonia out of a lemon bottle. Wow. Well, you need to tell the people that it wasn't bleach. That it was oh, bleach. it was a bee. I was, got stung by a bee <laughs> in the middle of the forehead. It flew through my window, stung me in the fucking forehead at 50 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Keep yeah, your windows no. up. That's what air conditioning is for. Right. And I'm sorry, we're not talking about stone. Stone. Yes, we are talking okay, about Stone. Okay, so Stone yes. is doing all of these things. Yes, he's not a good, he is not a good person, no. Okay. He's a, he's a very, very troubled and dangerous so person. So he's, this is all the stuff that he did leading up to his doctors Co- going correct. to the, Okay. Yes. I just yep. wanted to make sure we didn't somehow switch to a different person. Okay. No, good, yeah. There are, there are multiple characters in the story, so feel free to stop me at any time. Okay. He became a figure in the criminal underworld of the Medway towns of Kent as well. He attacked a man with a hammer during a robbery, spent 10 years in prison for armed robberies, attacked a police officer and nearly blinded him, was extremely abusive to romantic partners and suffered blackouts while he was abusing them. He was in and out of treatment for drug addiction and severe mental illness his entire adult life and had a hard time being treated with medication because of the effects his, of his heroin addiction. And he's 37. 37. He got he put in some work. He that got is... after being a bad bad yeah, guy. Yeah, that's like a bad thing every day. <laughs> Multiple bad things yes. every day of his life. Yeah. He had spent 10 years in prison for by the time he was 37. And did all of those other awful things. Oh, yeah. Beat the shit out of all his girlfriends. He's a terrible, terrible human being. He had, a, he had it rough. And mm-hmm. then he roughed other people up as a result. He was also a suspect in the murder of a man that occurred when Stone was just 16 years old. Jesus. Police questioned Stone, who had no alibi for the day of the murders because it had been a year. Because remember, they posted this, did this crime show a year later. And he had taken too many drugs to be able to remember anything. (laughs) Valid. That was valid. Mm -hmm. He did have one receipt that confirmed that he had been 40 miles away from where the family was murdered on the day of the murder. But the time stamp on the receipt gave him plenty of time to travel back to the area and carry out the murders later in the day. He told the police that he'd never heard of Chillenden, but friends testified that he knew the area, quote, like the back of his hand, and had actually lived two miles away from the crime scene as a child. Mm. 
At the time of the murder, Stone lived 30 miles away, so police had a hard time establishing a motivation for him being in the woods that day, but they learned that a lawnmower had been stolen from a home just a couple of a hundred yards away from the crime scene on the day of the murders, and Stone tried to sell someone a lawnmower just a few days later. (laughs) Whether or not it was the same make and model, I don't know, but again. God, coincidence bad timing bad luck bear stone was also known to have carried a hammer around in his car and he attacked (laughs) somebody with a hammer previously as well i mean i guess if you live in the uk your weapons of choice are limited and so a hammer puts you further away from your victim i guess than a knife like you have a little bit more range to potentially make contact you know you can do like a bat or a yeah rugby no what do they play cricket Mallet. Yeah, cricket mallet. Ugh. Yeah. Let's, let's not give them any ideas. <laughs> no, let's list every murder. <laughs> you could use a vase. You could use a tire iron, <laughs> guys. Most eyewitnesses said that they saw a beige car in the area at the time of the murders, but Stone owned a white Toyota at the time. Josie Russell, the surviving victim, was not able to remember what her attacker looked like, but reported that he had been driving a red car. He also, I guess Stone also said that he had a red car at the time, but he didn't. He had a white car. This case is fucking messy. It's very messy. Yeah. None of the DNA found at the scene matched Stone's or any known person's. Quote, the day after the attack, friends noticed that Stone's clothing was bloodstained and that he refused to enter their home as usual. They also noticed bloodstains on his toolbox in his car and on a blue sweatshirt. Stone claimed that this was as a result of him being in a fight, although no marks on Stone were seen. Shortly after this journey, the friends alleged Stone removed the bloodstained items from his car and changed his clothes. He later told police that he burned all of his clothes. Mm. (laughs) I saw saw an article that said he told them he he had burned them because he got too fat. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who hasn't wanted to do that sometimes? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fuck it. Light him on fire. (laughs) Get get rid of any evidence of me ever being that size. (laughs) Those days are over. So a man named Damien Daly testified that Stone had confessed to the murders as they chatted. Oh, this is an inmate as they chatted through a heating pipe between their cells. Daly's testimony only included details of the crime that had been reported in the media. Also, if you're chatting through a heating tube, it's like the ultimate telephone game, right? So Stone was like, (laughs) I like jam and toast and he's like he just said he killed someone with a hammer you know like. <laughs> right. <laughs> so how did you communicate this information uh through a tube mm. in a wall oh great right. super super credible well, he had a soup can and a piece of string and i had a soup can <laughs> exactly <laughs> i heard everything So two other inmates also testified that he had, quote, suggested to them that he had been involved in the murders. Stone also tried to commit suicide twice in prison around the time that he allegedly confessed to Daly. So based almost entirely on Daly's testimony, as all of the other evidence was completely circumstantial, Michael Stone was found guilty of the murders and sentenced to life with the possibility of parole after 25 years. Wow. I know. 
So, 24 hours after the trial concluded, one of the men who testified that Stone had admitted some involvement in the murders, one of the inmates, admitted to lying and recanted his testimony. 24 hours after the trial ended. (laughs) What? Like, (laughs) come on. Well, and that's not it. Quote, it was also found that the second prisoner who gave evidence, Mark Jennings, had been paid 5,000 pounds by the Sun newspaper and promised a further 10,000 pounds before he gave his evidence. So his statement was deemed unreliable. You guys, was the UK just a total clusterfuck, your judicial system? (laughs) (laughs) Like the US is no good, but this Uh is like messy, messy. No, no, that's not how this is supposed to work. No, newspaper bribing other inmates to like make up stories and frame people for murder. Come on. (laughs) Stone was granted a new trial. And I'm not saying that's what they did. I don't know what their conversation was, but it led to a man going to prison for murder. Right. Stone was granted a new trial as a result, but was again found guilty of the murders. Stone has maintained his innocence since his conviction, and his sister has supported him in speaking out on his behalf ever since. What year Be- is behalf. this? I just said behalf. behalf. Um, he The murders happened in 1996, and I think okay. he, yeah, he went to prison in uh, the, soon after, like a couple years after. So they both claimed that his history of violence and mental health issues were used against him to pin the horrendous crime on him without any hard evidence to support his involvement. I mean, he is not a good dude, you know. It would be really hard to have somebody like him on the stand. We've covered a lot of cases like this. And it's like, Mm -hmm. even if you didn't do this crime, you probably don't belong in the general population, but still there are rules and mm-hmm. also somebody else is out there who actually committed this horrifying crime and it's messy. Right. This case is just messy. So fast forward to one week ago, current time, one week ago, and there has been a major upset in the case as convicted serial killer Levi Belfield sent his lawyer a four-page written confession claiming he was the one who killed Lynn and Megan Russell and left Josie for dead. Uh, Oh. Dun-dun-dun! Levi Belfield grew up in a council estate in London, and he and his four siblings were raised by their mother after his father died of leukemia. People who knew Belfield said that he was, quote, lovely at first, charming, then completely controlling and evil. Police, I know. Police said that he was nice and charming at first, but would switch on a dime and become evil and nasty without warning. I don't Mm. like that. Chills, chills, chills. When Belfield officially confessed to the Russells' murder last week, um, and side note, I found a BBC show from 2019 that alleged he's been confessing informally to other inmates for years. Uh oh. He was serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole for the murders of four other women and girls. That he killed with a hammer and left left for dead in the woods? (laughs) Spoiler alert, Sadie. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Nope. I didn't think think we'd get that lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Not all of them, but homeboy has an M.O. Oh. So Millie Dowler was a 23-year-old girl who disappeared after leaving the Walter-on-Thames train station on March 22, 2002, and her body was later found in 
Yetelli Heath Woods six mm-hmm. months later. And I think it's pronounced Thames. 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 <laughs> I think Thames. Belfield was charged with the kidnapping and murder of Millie in 2010 and was also suspected in the attempted kidnapping of 12-year-old Rachel Cowles, who um, he was somebody attempted to kidnap her on the same day that Millie went missing. Hmm. Marsha McDonald was beaten to death by a blunt object to the head after getting off of a bus near her home in February of 2003. She initially survived the attack, but died in the hospital two days later. Belfield sold his car less than a week later for a third of what he'd paid for it just a few months earlier. So he bought it for 6,000 pounds, and then five months later, he sold it for like 1,000 pounds. Yeah, that's not suspicious. Nope. In 2004, Katie Sheedy was run over and left for dead, but survived and later testified that she had been hit by a, quote, white people carrier with blacked out windows and a broken wing mirror. Belfield was later found to have owned at the time of the attack a Toyota Previa with blacked out windows and a broken wing mirror. On August 19, 2004, 22-year-old student Amélie de la Grange was visiting the UK from France and was found with a severe head injury in Twickenham Green and died that night in the hospital. Police quickly linked her murder with the murder of Marsha McDonald, and Belfield reportedly confessed to the murder after he was arrested. Belfield was also charged with the kidnapping of 17-year-old Anna Marie Rennie after she identified him in a video lineup, as well as the attempted murder of 39-year-old Irma de Groshi. In 2008, Belfield was found guilty of the abductions and murders of McDonnell and De La Grange, as well as the attempted murder of Sheedy. And in 2010, he was found guilty of Dowler's abduction and murder. That's he was so given many. It's That's... and there's so many more. There's so many more. Yeah. Those are just the confirmed ones. He was given two life sentences with quote whole life orders for his crimes. In January of 2016, Surrey police claimed Belfield fully confessed to the abduction, rape, and murder of Dowler, which Belfield later denied, but the police stand by the confession. Belfield remains a suspect in a number of other disappearances and murders dating back to 1980, including his girlfriend when he was 14 years old, no. Patsy Morris, who was murdered in 1980. Seems pretty likely. Pretty fucking likely. Jeez, speaking of busy, what in the heck? What in the absolute heck? Like, what was going on in the London area in the 19... 19- a lot of shit. I think a lot yeah, of shit was right. going on. Everywhere, yes. Yes, yeah. It's not a good time to be a person. <laughs> you know, it's pretty hard. So Belfield started confessing to the Russell's murders years ago, and the first inmate who came forward said that Belfield said it made him feel, quote, free to confess his secret to someone else. Over a series of several conversations, Belfield went into graphic detail of the murders and drew a map of the scene for the inmate. According to the BBC, the confession contained details that very few people would have known about, so seemed fairly credible. The inmate said the conversation started after a TV program about the Russell's murders aired, and the inmate said that Belfield was visibly shaking while watching the show. Hmm. 
The inmate alleged that Belfield said that his encounter with the Russells was purely a coincidence and he simply noticed them walking by. He said that he approached them carrying a hammer and Lynn Russell screamed at him not to hurt her children. He said he then struck Lynn several times, followed by Josie, then Megan, and then the dog. Mm. He said he was very surprised to learn later that Josie had survived the attack. When the inmate said that he would have been worried about being spotted so close to the road, Belfield assured him that he had attacked them far enough away from the road that he wouldn't have been seen. The confession lines up with Belfield's M.O., as it is believed he killed Marsha McDonald and Amelie de la Grange in random blitz attacks with a hammer. I hate that. Fucking hate it. I don't like the word blitz attacks. No, with a hammer. Mm Mm-mm. Interestingly, Stone and Belfield are in the same prison. Oh, no. And Belfield claims that Stone has asked him repeatedly to admit to the murders over the years, but Stone denies that allegation. Belfield's girlfriend from the mid-90s, Joanna Collings, uh, said that she had become increasingly concerned by his behavior around the time the Russells were murdered. She said she found a fashion magazine in their trash can, and someone had stabbed out all of the faces of the blondes. (laughs) Oh my god. No, no. Let's put it, the magazine becomes... down, walk out backwards from the house, and keep walking backwards uh-uh. down the street until you are in a different part of the UK. When your life becomes an actual horror movie. Yeah. She also, that wasn't it though, she also found her father's jacket with the interior pocket cut out and a balaclava and large carving knife and confronted Belfield about all of it. Mm-mm. She said that he would wear the jacket and balaclava and armed with the knife, he'd go to an area near a nearby train station that dead-ended with like a fence, mm-hmm. so it was impossible to leave once you were in that area, and would wait and hunt for young women and girls to attack. This occurred in 1996, the same year the Russells were murdered, and she fully believes he's responsible for all of the murders he's ever been accused of. So in the letter Belfield sent to his attorney, he mentioned seeing a lady following him in a beige Ford Sierra as he fled the scene. Quote, as I left, I pulled out of Cherry Garden Lane, then out onto another little road where I pulled out in front of the lady. I kept looking in the rearview mirror at her while also checking my face for blood. He said he was wearing a, quote, pair of marigold washing up gloves and originally just intended to kill Lynn, but then killed Megan and wounded Josie after they started screaming. He also claims he threw the hammer he used to kill them into the Thames near Walton, Surrey. <laughs> two days ago, two witnesses came forward to report that they had seen Belfield on or leaving the scene of the murders, and one of them had actually picked him out of a virtual identification parade two years ago. So... I'm sorry. Let's take a pause real quick. Yes. <laughs> Virtual identification I just parade. put it in there because I don't know what that means, but I'm a lineup of some kind. Either <laughs> no, I'm sure. photo, video. Yes. They call it a parade? Yeah. <laughs> fucking have some fun with it. We're dealing with a serial murder of a family, <laughs> oh, a random blitz murder oh, with a hammer in man. broad daylight in the countryside. Let's call it a parade. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um... But yeah, she had, so two years ago, she had identified him as the person she saw on the scene, but Michael Stone was already in prison for it, so. They didn't care. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. But two days ago, as in like Saturday or whatever, whatever day it is, yeah. 
uh, they came forward again and were like, hey, remember when I said he was the one I saw there? Ta-da. Did the two look anything alike? Yeah, kind of. Uh, Yeah, kind of. They're both, yeah, like, you know, white British dudes with, Um, you know, like round heads and faces. similar, Similar ages. Yes. Yeah. Similar enough that from far away or like in a lineup, it would be hard to tell who was who. Mm-hmm. And Michael Stone looks way crazier. He looks scary. Like he just makes scary faces and stuff. So right. I would, if I, if I had to pick between the two, Belfield looks like, like a owner of a pub and Stone looks like a fucking murderer. Mm-hmm. So Belfield's attorney read part of the letter in which he confessed to the press, quote, something like this has never happened before. I committed a crime and another person has been arrested for it. I guess if I'm honest, it was a relief. I apologize to Stone and to the Russell family for my heinous acts. I was not well in the head during my reign of violence. I am willing to speak to the police. Belfield's attorney also said, quote, I genuinely think if the police visit Levi Belfield in prison, he will make a full statement under caution. And I believe if he's charged, he'll plead guilty and the matter will be resolved. Michael Stone's sister, who I mentioned before, has been outspoken about his innocence from the beginning, said, quote, Belfield has come out with a lot of facts that can be checked, including information about the murder weapons. Ms. Stone, who has campaigned tirelessly for his freedom, said, quote, I don't believe he would have made this confession if his mother was still alive, meaning Belfield. Mm-hmm. This is not just Belfield chin wagging. Nobody is going to come out with a statement like that over such a terrible crime. I have believed Belfield for a long time, but never thought he would have the guts to formalize a statement that could be used as evidence. It was a difficult decision on his part, I'm sure, as he may experience a lot of consequences, particularly among his fellow prisoners. He has described his movements that day in great detail, how he committed the murder, and even what he did with implements he used. My heart goes out to the Russell family, who have endured endless pain as we seek to prove Mick is innocent. Hmm. I think it's in all of our interests to have this matter investigated when there is a realistic possibility it could bring closure. Belfield has done this the right way and voluntarily. Why would he do it? I don't know. I don't know. God and Jesus are, have come into his heart. I don't know. That I don't know yet. And maybe but, he already said, but he, are there other crimes that he's committed that like he's what's the word confessing to (laughs) not Uh, that i'm aware of that's a great question but not that i'm aware of yeah maybe this one got under his skin like even though he doesn't seem to have skin skin (laughs) he likes reptile scales yeah well he has skin he just doesn't have anything under it it's just a bunch of bats flying around there with some (laughs) dust and screams like empty hollow screams yeah I mean, he must, I don't know, they're old now. I don't know. I don't know why he would confess, but. So there was a section of boot lace that had been found at the scene that was reported lost for some time and has been recovered recently. So there was the boot lace in the 90s that they tested and I guess they like tested it into obliteration or whatever they call Mm -hmm. it. But now, ta-da, oh, we have more boot lace. So the CCRC is reportedly testing the lace for DNA evidence to help corroborate Belfield's claims right now. Yes. I know. So I looked and looked for more information about the Russells, but unfortunately, if anything exists, it's been buried under years of press about Stone and Belfield, of course. Mm -hmm. 
I did find that Josie and her father moved to Wales after the attack, and as part of her rehabilitation, Josie had to learn to talk again, but later went on to attend college to study graphic design and is now a successful textile artist. Oh, good. Quote, Josie produces abstract landscapes from textiles, making use of mixed, often recycled fabrics, as well as buttons, beads, wools, and threads. She used applique techniques, and her work can be hand or machine stitched. Quote, I know. Quote, my work brings together a passion for fabrics, the landscape where I lived, and my concern for the environment, she said. No. Josie's debut in 2012, her show, debut show in 2012, completely sold out. Sorry, 2010, completely sold out. And as of 2021, Josie was engaged to a fire alarm engineer and is looking forward to starting a family And she actually bought the home her family lived in before the attacks that took her mother and sister's lives. That is a cuckoo fucking bonkers what the fuck story of the Chillenden murders. I'm so curious to see what happens. I am too. I mean, I think this is one of those stories where we're like, I think we know what happened. I think Belfield did it. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear. I think Michael Stone's mental illness was used against him. Yeah. Seems like it. And he was not a good guy, but I he was like begging for fucking help and treatment and the people he was begging to help him betrayed him after <laughs> they abandoned him. <sighs> yeah. They should be like, okay, Stone, you can get out of prison, but the psychiatrists and nurses that betrayed you need to take your place now because he spent his entire adult life, the mo- the majority of his lo- adult life in prison. Right. Well, and I, I mean, it, I know that uh, patient-client privilege doesn't count if he came and said, like, I murdered yes. these people. Right. But he never said that, right? No. They were just like, he's weird and he likes hammers. and Yeah, he said he's... he's- He's got fantasies of killing children and in the woods, and anytime he's in the woods, right. he wants to kill children. But it seems like all of that would still be covered under the privilege, assuming that the UK a... does that there. Right. <laughs> that's my question. Do they yeah. do that, and did they do that in 1996? Right. Because maybe they do it now. I don't know how long we've had that in place in the United States either, but yeah, I don't think that it is... Um, legal or ethical to Mm -hmm. tell on your patient if they haven't just outright told you that they have or are going to kill someone specifically i don't know even if like i'm going to do something bad like that's Mm -hmm. not a confession to a murder or premeditation of a murder in my opinion no right right so that sucks that's a sucky one man that's really sucky one yeah yep because Michael Stone was a—he's not a good person. You know, he's made mm-hmm. very, very fucking poor choices. But if you are like actively begging for help, like you are try—you are aware of your issues, and you are like begging for the system to help you, and they abandon you. That sucks, man. Yeah, it sucks big time. Sucks. That major sucks. <laughs> yeah, especially considering he had done his time for his previous crimes. He's trying to get off drugs, trying to get better, I'm assuming. I don't know. He's probably, who knows. But that sucks. And then the fucking family, the actual murderer, the serial killer. Luckily, he's in prison. Like, he went to prison right. for other crimes. But had he been caught for those crimes, those other women wouldn't have died. Because he killed all those women after he killed Lynn and Josie. Or Throw Lynn in my desk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Not cool. They're just like, beige car, chubby. 
you know, <laughs> tube confession, well, wall, red prison car, wall. Yeah, red car, yeah. white car. We don't really Beige know. car, fucking. Uh, he, he had a car. Michael Stone has a car lawnmower. <laughs> right? No, no. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, it was 10 to 2, his conviction. So I guess in the UK, too, it doesn't have to be unanimous. Yeah. It was majority. Maybe it just has to be, like, super majority. I don't know how that yeah, works Yeah, I don't know either. Tell us, guys. Tell yeah. us, uh, bar- barristers and solicitors. <laughs> and, uh, what do they call them? Wig makers. Police. PCs. Constables. <laughs> DC. 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 Eck. <laughs> um good one thank Heck. you thank you if josie somehow finds this and listens to it fucking good for you babe yeah i'm so sorry for your family that's just an unbelievable uh, thing to have to endure i was letting my dogs out in the backyard uh today yep like you do yep and i noticed the deadlock the deadbolt on my back door and uh, we don't lock it very often. And I was like, it's because I feel safe. And I was like, oh, that's what everybody thinks before they get murdered. <laughs> well, now you're telling the American public and the world that you can keep your deadbolt open. So mm-hmm. better start locking that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I have two very big dogs. <laughs> yeah. You'll get dinosaur if you come over to Sadie's house. Hard. Yeah. Uh, B would fuck a person uh, up. Big time. She yeah, would absolutely. rip you to shreds with her little scissor nose she's got like a sharky <laughs> scissor nose she's shark spider right legs too. Yeah. yeah don't she's a wily she has she's pointy yeah she's very protective and very jealous yeah well should we talk about your dog some more or yeah the one is black one is blonde <laughs> <laughs> uh or should we do some names yeah let's do names i'm i was just realizing i don't have my names up yet so all right get that shit in order up. and i'll get my shit pulled up so you guys, we didn't do names last time because my computer was dying. And so go get us, go pause this, go get your snacks because we've got a pile. Make sure you're hydrated. Make sure you've stretched. <laughs> Make sure you get your KFC plant nugs. Did I tell everybody? I don't think I told everybody that I, did I tell Patreon or did I tell these guys about the KFC plant nugs? Anyway, mm. when those things came out, I think it was Patreon, wasn't it? Yeah, it might have yep. been. Yep. So the plant nuggets came out at KFC and I set an alarm to go to KFC the day that they were launching. And I pulled up and this lady, you know, with like a neck tattoo answers the, like the fucking speaker was broken at the drive-thru. So I had to drive straight up to the window and neck tattoo lady. I was like, um, do you guys have those plant-based chicken nuggets? (laughs) like plant-based like a dickhead she was like no uh no we don't have those they did they had them they're just not called plant-based chicken nuggets Um, what are they called beyond meat i think beyond nuggets or whatever so (laughs) i went home and i was like ah i'm gonna buck the system i'm gonna i'm gonna figure it out went on doordash or whatever sure enough they had them (laughs) and i ordered them and they were so good i wanted to cry the entire time i was eating them but i got them at like three i think i ordered them at like 3 30 or 4 thinking it would take until (laughs) i eat really early because i'm always hungry and but i thought it would take until like five o'clock because i live far away from the kfc (laughs) i swear to god sadie and i were like the DoorDash driver ripped through time and space because I exactly the amount of time that it takes to get from the KFC to my house is when they showed up. 
They were so good. So then the next day, I ordered them again. Laura was out of town. And uh, I forgot that KSC, at like at the end of the day, at the end of the month or week or something, that grease gets fucking disgusting. Mm -hmm. And I got fucking disgusting grease snugs the second day. And I ordered them at dinner time. And Mm -hmm. so whatever the thing is that they do that they don't do later in the day, I, I also just should not be ordering KFC two days in a row delivered <laughs> to my home. Plant-based or otherwise. <laughs> so that was God in the universe. Well, it's because saying, they make a batch of plant-based nugs at 3 p.m., which totally. you got fresh. And instead, the next time you got them at like 7 p.m. after I will sitting. Eat, yep. I will eat anything. Like, I'm a trash person. I will eat anything. And I was like, Ugh. gagging them down anyway (laughs) i'm a little too traumatized to go back which sucks because that first sitting well we'll just try again like give it a couple months and then try again is there like a super nice kfc maybe in chicago no no i think they're all garbage now yeah ours really looks like it's uh closed but it's not yeah they're going the way of um long john silver which is Mm -hmm. weird because that batter man it is damn delicious yeah (laughs) Anyway, anyway, it's not about KFC. This yep. is about. Hopefully, everybody had a chance to go get their snacks. Oh yeah, you got your nugs. You got your mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. Have you stretched? Here we go. It's name time. Nana Visitor is an actor on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I don't even remember what this is. It's been so long since. I think it's a place. Moose Poon. <laughs> it's got to be a place. <laughs> Harry Bongers. <laughs> what? They're killing me. Harry Bongers. <laughs> I've opened this notes page several times to add names, and every time I see Harry Bongers, I lose my shit. Um... Your husband sent me this one. In the 80s in Carson City, Nevada, there was a man named Mr. Numba. (laughs) (laughs) If you looked in the white pages, you could find his telephone number and his first name. It was Wong Numba. (laughs) No. Yep. No. And he said, said, if if you are out there, Wong, I'm sincerely sorry for years of prank calls. (laughs) 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 Um... We have a Howard Sublet. Whoa. No. Schwilliam Chivas. <laughs> That's not the most fun name to say. Say it out loud. Schwilliam Schwilliam Chivas. It really does roll right off. It the really tongue. does feel so good to say it. Schwilliam. Schwilliam Chivas. <laughs> See? It's just people and their naming. It brings so much joy. Dr. Anthony Tony DDS. Oh. Anthony Tony. <laughs> Tony Tony. Tony Tony DDS. <laughs> um Oh, so this person that works in a hospital sends us a lot of names from the registrar <laughs> and lots of baby boys and baby girls, you know, people who don't mm-hmm. get their birth certificate ever switched over. Um but she said that she had a baby boy come in that needed 15 tubes of blood drawn. And they were like, oh, my God, that's so many tubes of blood. But it was a seven-year-old man named Baby Boy, legally named Baby Boy. 
<laughs> that much from an actual baby, they have no more blood. <laughs> yep. Um, and here's some newborn names they sent us, which this is the best trend ever. Treasure, promise, majesty, king, and queen. Yes, yes. yes. Assume your crown. Fuck Seriously. yes. Seriously. Get it. Karthik Srinavasan. Srinavasan. God, where did I hear that name? Karthik Srinavasan. It was on something. Probably Tinder Swindler. Is that where I heard this name? I think this is a, a DA or something. Karthik Srinavasan. Whoa. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I didn't write it down, but I definitely saw it on a documentary. Xavier Thilking. <laughs> T-H-I-L-K-I-N-G. Xavier Thilking. Thilking. <laughs> Bitch. It's like the opposite of uh, Schwillander Sheevis. Schwilliam <laughs> <laughs> Sheevis. <laughs> it really is. It's like Schwilliam Sheevis backwards is Xavier Thilking. <laughs> it's not. Excuse <laughs> me, I have to take off my oh fur fake fur coat <laughs> getting to that push portion of the yeah, hour laughing at the names and sweating <laughs> bitch b-i-c-h ho h-o <laughs> no and the last name snobby s-n-o-b-y <laughs> oh no first name that's a first name snobby there's a trail in the town salida called uncle nasty n-a-z-t-y <laughs> That is a beautiful trail. <laughs> Uncle Nasty. Uh, Sadie, what's the name of the flower you found recently? Oh, God. What was it named? Do you have it written down? Yep. The hairy it's beard tongue. Hairy beard tongue. <laughs> Sadie found that one. Um, there's an Olympian named Dick Button. You don't say it like that, but Dick Button. <laughs> Dick Button. Dick Button. <laughs> Did he win the gold? They want it in name having, in my opinion. <laughs> I'll award it to him. First, second, and third. Gold, silver, bronze. Uh, happy Days, D-A-E-S. And Happy is short for Harriet. Really? Uh, uh, maybe You're lying to, to me? Family. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's like... so cute. Traditional Welsh. Oh, my God. Or something. Happy. Patience Daily. And Raywin Balls. Yeah. B-A-L-Z. <laughs> and that's it. Ray, Ray Balls. Ray Balls. That's, that's it. A good. Cutie good, pies. Good list. Hair, what was it? Harry Bonger. <laughs> <laughs> William <Yeah>. Chivas. <laughs> new God, there have been so many good ones. We need to like compile our top 10 favorite. Like every oh, year i haven't i've deleted a lot of them like a fucking dumbass i've started saving doing? them i know i've started saving these lists but i Good. deleted a lot of the early ones so we're gonna need somebody to go back through and transcribe them all seriously what <laughs> was anyone... the the one with a thousand names do you remember that one tina krina lena oh yeah see no idea i think i might have i'm not gonna look right now no don't look but we'll waste a lot of time but yeah tina krina lena <laughs> Speaking of Tina Cream and Weenie, yeah, we, we have to sign some... up this week. How many Tina Cream Weenies yeah, we got? So many. Thank you so much to Donna A. Donna as fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you just say ass fuck? <laughs> I did not. I said Donna as fuck. Okay. <laughs> 
I don't know if we could... Thank you for clarifying, though. Thank I don't you know for if we could keep that in. Yes, we can. Donna as fuck. <laughs> she is. She's Donna as fuck. I'll put a z sound no, on the end. No. Donna as fuck. <laughs> no, because it still sounds like what I think it says. For everyone else, too, but that's just the consequence of so listening sorry, to this podcast, Donna. you guys. I'm so sorry. I don't think Donna feels sorry. She's like, yeah, I am Booyah. Donna as fuck. I know what that means. <laughs> think what you will. Oh, Lord. Oh, thank you so much to Holly R. Holly, radicalization of her own power and her future and her life and her self and her soul and her dreams and her pocketbook <laughs> <laughs> i don't say pocketbook normally but well, holly carries one around because you know she doesn't she wants to be undercover and i guess if you have a pocketbook like you people wouldn't <laughs> assume that you have that much radical money in there but she does yeah let me go get my pocketbook Thank you so much to Savannah B. from Ohio. Savannah, banana. Savannah is bananas for being the best for winning at life, for conquering her fears and finding what is good (laughs) in everybody else, but especially herself, because there's so much to find. (laughs) Bunches of good stuff in there. Savannah Banana. She's bananas for her own self. (laughs) Thank you so much, Denise M. Denise Montenegro. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's all you get, Denise. Just kidding. Denise. 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 These knees are made for going on adventures. They're strong, just like her brain and her body. They're strong, just like her talent and her stamina they're strong <laughs> just like her ability to improvise and win rap battles not unlike me <laughs> i think it could win yep denise and i could is, there, is that a duo can we like do it together <laughs> <laughs> well yeah disney's you want to rap battle together <laughs> Thank you so much to Mel B. Mel B. Well, of course, that horse things first makes me think of the Spice Girl. Yes, yes. Which, what if it is? That would be fucking spectacular. What if I love that the Spice Girls have like made and come back and come back with the nineties <laughs> come back right? Um, because I remember being, I was like 18 when they got really, really fucking popular. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ugh, these guys are the worst. Mm-hmm. Not understanding that they were like basically the beginning of feminist consciousness in right. the world. So, Melby, I'm going to assume that you are also the beginning of feminist consciousness in the world and in yourself. And you embody all of the good that comes with feminism. Fuck yes. The, the divine... femininity the divinity congratulations fuck yes i'm having a direct line to god and the divine (laughs) (laughs) so that's my uh thesis on how spice girls win are god (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, thank you the so much. Spice Girls oh. to God Pipeline is what it's titled. <laughs> and in parentheses, Mel B rules. The real one. The Spice Girls one and the real one. That is, they will kill Patreon supporter. Oh, thank you so much to uh, <clears throat> Alexandra B. Okay, well, see, Alexandra is another one of those names that if you have it, I can picture your hair. I can smell how it smells. Mm-hmm. I can picture your boots. I can picture your apartment or your home. I can picture your husky laugh. I can picture <laughs> your casual, like, effortless way about you, you know? Yes. I can picture your... uh restrained power and femininity you know totally good for you alexandra definitely one of the names that i wish i had definitely everyone calls you alex and you get you wear like jumpsuits you know it's one of those names like dorothea you and dorothea fucking hanging out in jumpsuits but take down your hair and everyone's like passes out from your beauty seriously good for you like alex alexi yeah yep all right. Thank you so much to Corey H. Corey has to take a moment and tell you that while you will never be as good or accomplished as Corey, you should believe in yourself because Corey does. Corey believes in Corey's self. Corey knows and is and does the it and (laughs) if you don't know what it is Corey might tell you but Corey is also sort of so so uh enlightened to it that Mm -hmm. it's intangible as is Corey so it's up to Corey but I don't know if Corey's gonna tell you it (laughs) it's intangible wait yeah, okay. I want to be intangible like Corey. So we have a big list. So this, I think, will be let it for today. We'll do some more next week. Yes. Last but certainly not least <laughs> is thank you so much to Betty Bun. <laughs> if you tune into our YouTube, you'll see me dying now. And you'll see my body, <laughs> my soul <laughs> lifting out of my body. Betty Bun. Can we all just take a moment in silence for not having the name Betty Bun and how painful that is to know that we Uh, don't have the fucking name Betty Bun. That one came through. We get like emails when people sign up and I saw saw Betty Bun and I was like, I just can't. To just burst into tears from beauty. Pretty much. Yes. It made my life more complete. Yeah. It's like the movie American Beauty when... Like this is you want to see the most beautiful thing I've ever filmed, and then you just show them a video of the email of the name Betty Bun coming through on our Patreon. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you so much. We are very dedicated to not having ads on the main feed. I just feel with all of my heart and soul that this is something that is going to happen and is actually currently happening because you guys are signing up like motherfuckers to support this. I cannot thank you enough. Mm-hmm. We are also toying around with pricing to make it more accessible to more people. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be announcing that soon because I feel like while 
I want you to support me. I also want to support you in return because that's the groovy way I want this to work. So stay tuned for that. Also, uh, we are working on our YouTube, our upgraded YouTube with Mm -hmm. now with faces and images and and images. Yeah. Fancy stuff. Professionally designed intro cards. Not too (laughs) professional, not too slick because I don't, I like a little bit of a grit Mm -hmm. to my production, but we, we should have that up by next week is my guess. The designer should have our shit ready. The first edit is already done. Um, so thank yeah. you so much for everybody who's been messaging us. Like, where are you? What's going on? Apparently people, it's really hard to search for us, which is something we're working on also. <laughs> yeah, we have a meeting with my friend who is a sort of YouTube wizard. So we're going to talk tomorrow about how to boost that up. But in the meantime, I did put it on our Instagram uh, link tree. So you can go over there and find it on there if you want to subscribe and just support us or subscribe and watch us on there. It's not something I can personally do. I like voices in my ears but yeah if you want to see our faces Mm -hmm. they are now going to be accessible soon yeah i mean the lesser known thing about us is that the entire time we're recording this podcast i am doing interpretive shadow puppets (laughs) along with the case and i I am butt-ass naked yeah she's completely (laughs) fucking naked you can only see like half a nip but it's very jarring (laughs) it's worth checking only if i sit back (laughs) <laughs> full nip <laughs> start talking about your nipples but we'll stop it's gonna make a nipple joke but uh, it feels very derogatory and inappropriate um, I've, heard, I've heard he said words tonight that i didn't ever plan to say on what donna ass fuck <laughs> we love you donna as fuck <laughs> i'm blushing <laughs> tune into youtube to see sadie blushing also go to our instagram twitter or facebook at they will kill go to our website they will kill.com email us at they will kill podcast at gmail.com rate review subscribe please yes please please do it do I mean, it right now yeah put your energy more toward subscribing to youtube i think yeah. and signing up for our patreon i know we'll have to start saying that now Find but us on YouTube. Find us on YouTube. What do they say? Click the link. Click I think they subscribe. Say, Go subscribe to our YouTube or I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> That's what I've heard people say. Oh, right. Uh, and <laughs> thank you, AJ Perkins, for Thank music. you so much, AJ. And remember. Um, I feel unprepared. Uh, even though my life feels really magical and... Oh, I learned I learned something. There's a difference between inspired action and I think it was forced action. Let me look it up really, really quick. Yeah, inspired action versus forced action. So it's kind of along the lines of what I was talking about before. And this is very like law of attraction, woo-woo, whatever. But you guys are all here for that, I'm assuming. Um, forced action being... So if you want to accomplish something, just like doing this like really forced thing, you know, like forcing the thing to happen isn't how the law of attraction works. It works better if you do something that's just like an activity that makes you feel the way of the thing you want to have happen. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yep. So I think that part of the thing that we all get wrong, including myself for years and years and years, is that we try to force the thing that we think we need to be doing where we actually just need to be calm and space and doing things but not trying to force it 
I also am big into quantum physics TikTok and a quantum physicist was saying that time is not like we assume we perceive that time is coming is something we are working we are moving towards which is completely false time is actually moving toward us so whatever that thing is that we want is actually already coming toward us because it already exists and we all know this like time is flat blah 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 mm-hmm. so you don't actually have to stress about doing it. you just have to prepare for that thing so it's kind of along the same lines as inspired action. So Already. mentally, physically, whatever that is, like it can even just be like drinking a cup of coffee to give yourself a little bit of extra energy to focus on the, you know, like as long as you're just sort of preparing and not forcing that thing is coming, you just have to be ready for it. So there you go. I'm down for it. Yeah. What Let's are you preparing it. for? The, to be YouTube stars. Poo poo <laughs> in your pants. I'm prepared for poo-poo in my pants. And being YouTube stars. <laughs> Who poop in their pants? Because I hear that's where the money is. So, Well, okay. First... <laughs> no, save it for the paid site. Save it oh, for... right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, we will be launching our poo-poo pants YouTube in 2023. <laughs> but in the meantime, we will be preparing for that in a multitude of ways. <laughs> diapers we love you uh yes we do we love you so much thank you for being here yep we'll see you in a couple days fuck yeah we will love you guys love you goodbye goodbye seeking the truth never gets old Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.